either have Christ or we don't have Him. We either trust Him or we don't trust Him. You know, the only way that you can have salvation is through faith, because it's a gift, and that's the way you get a gift. That's some of the amazing truth that we'll hear today from Dr. J. Vernon McGee on Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, and our study of Philippians 3, verses 15 to 20 covers so many great topics, including the secret to knowing God's will in our lives and the relevance of our heavenly citizenship here on earth. We'll get started in just a minute, but first, I want to thank you for your support in bringing the whole word to the whole world. You know, through God's grace and your faithful partnership through the Bible is now heard in more than 250 languages and dialects around the world. If you want to get an idea of just how God's using your prayers and financial support, I gathered a couple of letters of my favorite ones, by the way, at least the recent ones. First, we have an email from a church, this one in Vietnam. We thank God because we have the opportunity to listen to his word on your program. You are our pastor, and the programs provide much-needed spiritual nourishment for our souls. As a result, our faith has grown firm, and we have served God with our best. From our gathering, we have chosen two brothers to go out to share the gospel with others. They have faced many difficulties, yet they remain faithful. Wow, isn't it wonderful that this church is already sending out missionaries to share the good news, and they call us their pastor, so they're clearly just getting started. Next, we got an email from a gentleman that listens in Italian. I am a blind man. The daughter of a friend is sending this note to you. Many people do not understand why I listen to your programs. They tell me that since I am blind, I should give up on God, that he has given up on me. They say a poor, old, lonely man like myself should be angry. Although I am old, I never feel lonely in God's presence. In fact, when I listen to God's word, I feel like a king with riches beyond my imagination. And although they don't want to hear it, I love to tell them that I am never alone, that God is always by my side. Well, isn't that an encouraging email? Remember, this man is blind. To learn more about how you can join me and other faithful Through the Bible listeners in praying for our brothers and sisters, and then also hopefully providing a tank of gas or maybe a new set of tires to keep the Bible bus rolling in your community and in the communities across the globe, visit ttb.org today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to not only study your word, but to share it with others. Open the hearts of all those who hear it today, especially our own. In Jesus' name, amen. We're off to Philippians 3 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now we're back in the third chapter of the epistle to the Philippians, and today we're going to put in here at verse 15. And we have seen in this chapter the prize for Christian living. First of all, we saw that Paul changed his bookkeeping system of the past, where before he'd been religious, building up in a credit column a lot of nice things that are religious and pious and are very impressive, and the world considers them very valuable. Paul had those things, but he met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, and when he did, he lost his religion and Christ became everything to him. And so we find that this man, Paul then, changed his bookkeeping system. What was gain became loss. What was loss became gain. In other words, a tremendous change took place. Then we found in verses 10 through 19, Paul changed his purpose for the present. And that means that the thing that he did here was... He is pressing toward the mark for the prize 
of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he's on a race course. That is the picture that's given to us. And the prize for Christian living actually was Christ himself. And Paul's future is so absorbed by Christ that it motivates everything he says and does in the present. He likens himself, therefore, to a track star running for a prize. And you must remember, Paul apparently witnessed the Olympics. There was a great amphitheater in Ephesus, seated a 100,000 people, and the Olympic Games were held there at times, and Paul was in that city for three years. It's difficult to believe that he didn't go there. He uses many figures that are taken from those athletic events. And here he likens himself out there on the racetrack running, running for a prize. Now, we don't run for salvation. That is Christ. We either have him or we don't have him. We either trust him or don't trust him. And the only way you can have salvation is through faith because it's a gift and that's the way that you get a gift. I've just come through another birthday, and it's nothing to brag about when you get up where I am today, and it was quite wonderful. The office here, these wonderful folk that are in our radio staff, they presented me with a prize. Not a prize, it was a gift. And you know what I did? I believe that when they offered it to me, they really intended to give it to me, and I just reached out and took it. That is all. And then I had friends that did the same thing. I just accepted it and thanked them for it. I didn't do a thing to merit it, to win it, or work for it, anything. It was a gift. Now, the gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus, and it's Christ himself. Now, you either will accept him or you won't accept him. That's salvation. And you can only by faith, therefore. It means to believe God. I believed all these friends when somebody said, got a gift for you, Dr. McGee, and poked a box at me, I took it. <laughs> I believed them. I didn't put my hands back on me and said, well, I'm not sure that you're really mean business. I'm not sure that you intend to do this for me. You and I do not know how really good God is. Now, Paul, after he'd received eternal life, Christ became everything to him now. Why, he's out running, running a race that he might win Christ. In what way? Well, someday he's going to appear before him. And his whole thought and intent was, I just want, when I come into his presence, I don't want to be ashamed. John said that it's possible to be ashamed at his appearing. I think there are a great many Christians today that are always talking about, oh, if Jesus had only come, if they really knew what it's going to mean to him when he comes, I think they'd like for him to postpone it a little bit longer. Because, my friend, if you think that you can live a careless Christian life and not have to answer for that, you're entirely wrong. You're his child. Yes, of course you are. But a disobedient child, well, you know, I've even got to the point when my grandson does things wrong, I paddle him. Now, that is something at first I didn't dare do. Why, I thought he was... You know, I thought he was so precious, so wonderful, but I find out that little fella, he's got the nature of his grandmother, and therefore he needs punishing at times. He needs paddling at times. Now, if you think as God's child 
that you're going to live any kind of life and come in his presence someday, I suggest to you, get out on a race course. Start living for him. Look to him. And that is the thing that we need. Now, Paul here in verse 15 says this, let us therefore as many as be perfect. Now, what does he mean by that? If he means those of us that are perfect, I don't know very many people that are perfect. In fact, I don't know anybody that is. I know one or two that say they are. But one man told me that he'd reached a complete sanctification, but I couldn't even get his wife to agree to it. She didn't think he'd reached it, and I don't think that he had to tell the truth. What does he mean here? Well, perfect here is in the sense of being mature and complete. You mind if I use the little grandson again? You know, when he was born, he was one of the cutest babies you've ever seen. Just beautiful. He's grown now, that is. He's moving along, and here he goes. Now, if he still was that little old baby that he was at the beginning, there'd be something radically wrong. It'd be tragic. But he's growing. He runs around now. He's a tall little fella. And may I say to you that he's growing, and he's perfect in that sense. He's what a boy ought to be. And that's what Paul is saying to these believers. Let us, therefore, as many as are complete in Christ, that are growing in Christ, let us be thus-minded. Let us get out on the racetrack. Let's work for him. Let's do something for him. And if in anything ye be otherwise-minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now, if you have some other idea, maybe God has something else for you to do today. And he'll show it to you. That is, if you'll do it, you're willing to do it. I think that God's able to lead a willing believer. It's these unwilling. You remember that the psalmist, when we were back in Psalms, the psalmist says, don't be like the horse or the mule, the little old donkey with long ears. You've got to put a bridle in his mouth, lead him around. God will lead you around like that, my friend, and it'll hurt. Why not let him lead you by his eye? That's the way he'd like to do it. And that's what Paul is talking about. God shall reveal this unto you. You'll want to be led. When I hear Christians say today, oh, if I just only knew the will of God, what's the matter with you? It's a matter of being in touch with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a matter of drawing close to him. There's no little easy formula today to find the will of God. And if you think you can live a careless Christian life for yourself, and then you come to a crisis, and then you say, oh, I want to do God's will, and that an angel will speak out of heaven, or a green light will appear to you, or an angel will come to you at night and tell you what to do. I think you're wrong. I think you're entirely wrong. This matter of the will of God is a day-by-day sort of thing. And if you're willing to be led, well, he'll put you on the highway and keep you on the route that you ought to be on today, the freeway of life for you. And it'll be a great joy to your heart. Now, will you notice he says in verse 16, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Paul is saying here to these Philippians, he says, I want you to make this your goal in life. I want you to get out on the racetrack. That is what he's saying. And he now can give himself as an example. 
He says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. Now, I wish I could say that. I can't, but Paul could. He says, if you want to know how to do it, (laughs) you watch us. And again, it's not for imitation, but actually what he means is that you learn to share the power of Christ in the body of Christ the church. And I believe that today, and I'd like for those who think that I become anti-church at times, I think that we ought to point out the difficulties. The church is in apostasy, no question about that. And therefore, we have a perfect right and should point these things out. That doesn't mean you're anti-church at all. But I believe that it is the proper function of a believer to function inside of a Christian organization, a church. Now, it doesn't have to meet in the building with a tall steeple on it. Great many people feel that they have to go to a certain type of a building. That's not necessary. You can function in a Christian organization, and my feeling is that if there's a good Bible church in your community where the Word of God is given out, and you're not identified with it, I would say immediately that you're out of the will of God. And if there's a Christian organization in your town and you're not supporting it, I think you're out of the will of God. I'm very frank to say that. I believe that's exactly what Paul means here. And I know that's what he says elsewhere. Now let me continue on here. Verse 18, because Paul discusses the negative side, listen to him. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mine earthly things. Now, that is probably a severe condemnation that you can find of those who profess to be Christians here. He is saying here, there's some who profess Christ, yet who contradict all of this by their lives. And he says their God is their belly. And that's an awful thing. Actually, it means their appetite. There are Christians that have an appetite for money, and they will do most anything for the almighty dollar. And the dollar's not so almighty today, but they are engaged in that. And then there are others that sex actually is their God. There are others that covet. They explain so much of the criticism today, the strife and vainglory. Oh, if I only had what so-and-so had, if I could only do what so-and-so's doing, if I only lived in the home he lives in, and so on. That is the thing today. And there are many Christians that have their minds and hearts on earthly things. Now, what Paul is really saying here is that if you really have trusted Christ, if you had that revolution that he says happened to him on the Damascus road, and that now Christ is the all-absorbing thinking of your mind and your time and your talent and of your possessions, Then he says, it's going to tell in your life. 
James had put it like that. It says, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I'll show thee my faith by my works. In other words, my friend, if you haven't any works, you're not going to convince your neighbor. Now, God knows your heart. I don't, your neighbor doesn't. Well, he sure knows your work. Calvin put it this way, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. Whose God is their belly? That's a frightful statement. Somebody says it's crude. Well, a statement's not crude, but what it speaks of, oh, it is crude today. And to see Christians given over to the things of this world, to earthly things, who mind earthly things, things that are passing away. Now we come to the last division of this chapter. Paul changed his hope for the future. And here we have it in verse 20. And let me share this verse with you. For our conversation is in heaven. Now conversation here is citizenship. And you find that in the better, I think, translation. And it actually means the total way of life and of living. It means the new lifestyle. Now, Miss Montgomery translated it, our city home is in heaven. And I'll be honest with you, I think probably that's closer to what Paul is saying. And it means just simply this. The word is polichuma. And we get our word politics from that word. Politics is almost a dirty word today. But polichuma Politics has to do with the city. It has to do with the life of the city. Now, in Philippi, Philippi was a Roman colony. And actually, in Philippi, the laws of Rome were enforced. People wore the same kind of styles they had in Rome. They spoke Latin. Everything was like it was in Rome. And they were a colony of Rome, a colonial city. Now, the church should be a colony of heaven. And that means they ought to act like they act in heaven. <laughs> Believe me, that's not always true, is it? And they ought to have the language of heaven. And they ought to live like they live in heaven. That is what the word means. Our city home, or we are a colony of heaven. And therefore, that should be our goal. That's where we would want to go. That's where we'd want to be, would be in heaven. And we are to represent it down here today. We're ambassadors of Christ down here. And Paul is saying now that we are to represent heaven and heaven's message here upon earth today. Now, we'll leave right off there. And let me say where it is. Philippians 3, verse 20 is where we begin next time. And may the Lord bless you, my beloved. What a terrific study. I got some inspiring last-minute words from Dr. McGee to share at the end of the program, so stay with us. Now, as we break for the weekend, if you'd like to continue to study God's Word with Dr. McGee, join me for his Sunday sermon titled, When Prayer Doesn't Change Things, from Philippians 4. 
To get our app, listen online, or to see if your station carries the Sunday Sermon, visit ttb.org. And if you'd like to find out more about Through the Bible, call 1-800-65-BIBLE. Or write to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. Or in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Again, that's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now here's Dr. McGee to close us today. As you leave the Bible bus today, friends, we've been looking at something that has actually been tremendous. We've seen this man, the Apostle Paul, who had the greatest revolution that could possibly take place in any man's life. He changed his bookkeeping system. He hated Christ. He came to love him and trust him. And he had trusted religion. He rested in religion. He gave that all up, threw it overboard, no longer trusted that. And now we have seen him in the study today give himself as an example. That, my friend, is a tremendous statement to make. He says, I want you to walk as I walk. I do not know about you, but I've never felt that I could say that. I've never reached that place where I could say, well, follow me. I'm really walking on the heights. I'm the example. Maybe I ought to be, but maybe we haven't reached that yet. So I'd like to share this with you because the other day we were talking about in this epistle of going out and living for God today and There is a danger sometime of being a little overzealous. And there are two things I pass on to you. Will you listen to this? It comes from a missionary in Guatemala. To be anxious for souls and yet not impatient. To be patient and yet not indifferent. To bear the infirmities of the weak without fostering them. To testify against sin and unfaithfulness and a low standard of spiritual life, and yet to keep the stream of love free and full and open, to have the mind of a faithful, loving shepherd, a hopeful physician, a tender nurse, a skillful teacher, requires the continual renewal of the Lord's grace. Now, that's a tremendous statement. And as you leave today, take this also with you, into the world. You remember the statement, be thou there till I bring the word. That was what the angel said to Joseph about keeping the child down in the land of Egypt. I have a notion that Joseph chafed under that and said, we've got to get home. It's time to go to work. But will you listen now to this very lovely poem of Mrs. Charles Cowman, and streams of the desert. She was a friend of mine, by the way. Will you listen to this? I'll stay where you put me. I will, dear Lord, though I wanted so badly to go. I was eager to march with the rank and the file. Yes, I wanted to lead them, you know. I planned to keep step to the music loud, to cheer when the banner unfurled, to stand in the midst of the fight, straight and proud. But I'll stay where you put me. 
I'll stay where you put me, I'll work, dear Lord. Though the field be narrow and small, and the ground be fallow, and the stones are thick, and there seems to be no life at all, the field is thine own. Only give me the seed, I'll sow it with never a fear. I'll till the dry soil while I wait for the rain and rejoice when the green blades appear. I'll work where you put me. I'll stay where you put me, I will, dear Lord. I'll face the day's burden and heat, always trusting thee fully. When even has come, I'll lay heavy sheaves at thy feet. And then when my earth work is ended and done, in bright eternity's glow, life's record all closed, I surely shall find it was better to stay than to go. I'll stay where you put me. You know, friends, that's the most difficult thing in the world for a Christian to do is to stay where God has put us today. Jesus came Today's study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee is brought to you by Through the Bible, and it's made possible by the generous prayer and financial investments from listeners like you on the Bible bus all around the world.